What's up, everybody? Michael Johnson here with the Business Choreography Podcast, and I'm excited you joined me today because today we have a very special guest. I'm so excited to introduce you to Dr. Eric Recker. Eric is a dentist, husband, father, keynote speaker, elite success coach, author, pilot, mountain climber, and a recovering triathlete. In his second half of life, he is committed to helping people shorten the distance to becoming their best version and learning how to win the now. We're going to talk to him about all that stuff today. You don't want to miss today's episode. This is going to be fun. Let me cue the intro and we'll jump right in. Listen, there's a lot to learn when growing and scaling your business. That's why we created the Business Choreography Podcast, where we talk about choreographing your marketing, operations, and sales into dynamic systems that increase your revenue and your impact. We'll explore solid business principles and discuss all things that make businesses dance to success with clarity. We'll help you figure out where the holes are in your business and what you can do to fix them. Think of us as your official business choreographers, aka your insider growth strategists. Remember, your choreography matters. Welcome to the Business Choreography Podcast. Eric, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I'm so excited to have you here. It's so good to be here. I can't wait for this conversation. Let's do it. Absolutely. You know, we are you never privileged to have a straight line. I guess it would be kind of boring if our life journey was a straight line. It's always a winding and crazy road to get to where we're at. You're doing some really cool things these days and helping people in a, in a really cool and unique way. And we're going to get to that, but I want to start with your backstory and really share with everybody how you've gotten here and how you've uh, made it through the winding journey up to this point. Yeah. So if we have six hours, I can give you the condensed version. I'll just jump right into it. Now, uh, so part of my journey, I have to understand just a little bit of my backstory. I remember being a second and third grader and I'm from a small town in Iowa. And on the er in the early 80s, being able to play recess kickball, that was life. That was super important. And when I was told that I wasn't good enough to play recess kickball, that was diabolical for me. So I, uh, yeah. So I, I remember standing there on the sidelines being this little kid that I was pretty husky. I wasn't in very good shape. And I remember making a pact with myself that I was going to be so freaking good at everything that I ever did that no one would ever not pick me. So, you know, great idea as a little kid, but that translated into being relentless uh, with myself and my expectations with myself uh, through high school, through college, through dental school. Uh, nothing was ever good enough. It wasn't good enough that I was in the top 15 of my dental school class. I needed to be in the top 10. It wasn't good enough that I had my dental degree. I had to get multiple advanced degrees. Nothing was ever good enough. Uh, exercise wise, uh, I started running. 5K became a 10K, half marathon, marathon, then triathlon all the way through the Ironman level. Nothing was uh, nothing was good enough. And it finally took me to the top of a mountain in Colorado uh, where I got up to the top of the mountain and I was looking around and I realized that if you don't know why you're climbing the mountain, you're not going to find the answer at the top. So I finally realized that in the meantime, I had already been through two significant rounds of burnout. Uh, dentists are often reluctant business owners. We didn't sign up to be HR and finance and all that stuff. We signed up to treat people. 
And so uh, I I found myself in that position. So uh, two severe seasons of burnout at that point already, including panic attacks, chest pain, palpitations, all those things. Um, but I, I, I couldn't escape it. There was still, still the grind. And then finally I got to the point where I was almost ready to, I was very ready to sell my business and walk away. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew that I felt like the only thing I could do was to just step away and do something different. So January 18 of 2021, we were one month away from getting the final details ready to go on the sale of the practice. And my associate who was going to buy the practice from me was in a horrific car accident on a Monday morning in his way to work. All of a sudden plans completely changed. Uh, He survived the accident, uh, which was uh, amazing. He shouldn't have um, based on uh, the conditions, but uh, I found myself in a place where my plans had completely changed. So I had to figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. And through a series of events, uh, I've been able to realize a couple of things. Uh, one, I needed a partner in my practice. I didn't need to walk away from it. I just needed some help. So I sold half of my practice. Um, and now I'm able to see patients three days a week. I see patients Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. And then on the other days, uh, I have a, a real passion for sharing my journey with other people. Uh, and I do that through uh, keynote speaking, workshop facilitation, uh, success coaching, and writing. So uh, I feel like I'm in the best of both worlds right now. I get to still see my patients, still do the treatment that I enjoy doing. And then I also get to help people. So it, it feels like uh, the best of both worlds. That's amazing. It's so hard to bring on a partner. And for those that have been out there and in business, some of horror stories of having partners on board and or multiple partners even. Uh, some have had great stories of, of wonderful successes with partners. What's some of your advice about making it through that first phase of of getting a partner on board and uh, even working through it. Yeah. And and what's really interesting is I did it a little bit atypically. My practice management uh, consultant actually said to me, you you can't do this. You can't just take a partner on and believe that it's going to work out. And I said to him, Matt, I was going to walk away completely. If this doesn't work out, I am going to walk away. Um, but that being said, I still did everything that I possibly could. Uh, when you're taking on a partner, there has to be some level of a courtship. Um, you have to you have to figure out if A comes up, how are we going to deal with it? Almost like some premarital counseling. Uh, you have to figure out because you're going to be in the trenches together making these decisions together. So it can't just be a transactional situation. It has to be a relational situation. Is right. this someone that you're going to be comfortable sitting down and making really tough decisions with? Is this someone who aligns with your values? Is this someone who uh, aligns with uh, the way that you treat people? So you do have to know some of those people, some of those things. You have to do some, uh, some due diligence for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously being able to take some extra days and have a partner 
share that workload is is definitely one of the advantages. What would be one of the maybe not so obvious and and hidden advantages of of getting that partner on board? Yeah, uh, I felt like an island uh, when I was a when I was a solopreneur. I guess is kind of the word. Is that what we use for right. that? I was uh, owning the business by myself. Uh, I did have another associate dentist. I had a couple over the years, and but they didn't have a vested interest, so the buck stopped with me. Right to have someone else that you can meet with on a daily basis and say, "Here's what's happened. What do we do about it?" It's priceless. Really, right. if I would have known this a long time ago, I would have went down this road a long time ago. <laughs> but I had to get to that bottom right. to be able to realize there were other options. So I'd say just just not feeling like you're an island. So if you are a, a, a solo a solopreneur, then I think that's okay. It's just important to surround yourself with some trusted advisors so that you don't have to feel alone. The buck may still stop with you, but you can have other people that can walk the journey along with you and help you in those tough decisions. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You talked about uh, dealing with burnout and having a, a full career as a, as a professional ballroom dancer. I know I dealt with that a number of times through the process of, you know, I went after this thing that I loved and, experienced uh, the ups and the downs and the downs sometimes are rough to make it through. But as you talked about climbing that mountain and realizing uh, that maybe you needed to know why, uh, you know, I want to dig into that, that experience first of all, and, and that experience of how the heck did you end up at a mountain? <laughs> thinking that that was the direction you were going to go. Second of all, uh, you know, what, what did you discover in those moments? Yeah, I, I think it's crazy to think if I would not have had that realization on that mountain where I would have ended up. Uh, right. Because I just kept chasing, thinking that there was going to be something that I was going to find that was going to give me meaning, something that was going to give me fulfillment. I'm a great achiever. And I'm guessing that most of the people who are listening to a podcast called Business Choreography are high achievers. Um, there aren't a lot of just couch sitters that are going to stumble upon this podcast and say, I might be able to <laughs> learn what to watch on Netflix from this. Um, right. But so, so I had to step back and uh, I had to understand what I really wanted to get out of life. So in looking at my job, I think one of the things that really crushed me is that I felt like I needed to be everything to everybody. And it was crippling and it was paralyzing. And it's what made Monday morning so horrific for me is that I didn't know what I was going to step into and I didn't know if I was going to be able to handle it on my own. So once I got past that, it, that everything to everybody, uh, that, that was huge. Another thing that was huge was just leaning into the parts of my job that I really loved. So if it was only for the technical aspects of dentistry, the procedures that I do, I would have been gone a long time ago. But what I realized is the part that I enjoy is the relationships the relationships with my team, 
the relationships now with my partner, the relationships with my patients. I've known some of these people for 20 years and some of them uh, I still live in the same town I grew up in. So some of them I've known for over 40 years. But those people that I've known as my patients, I've been able to see them go through so many stages of loss, uh, of life, loss, gain, uh, wins, losses, additions to their family, subtractions from their family, highs and lows, all of that. So one of my big encouragements to people when, uh, when we're coaching is, what is it that you like about your job? And how can we find ways for you to do more of that? And some of the things that that cripple you, some of the things that hold you back are some of those things that we can delegate are some of those things that maybe you don't have to shoulder by yourself. And so in doing that, if we can find some more joy at work and find some more purpose in why we're doing what we're doing, then work does not become this slog that we have to get through. Yeah, absolutely. Purpose and meaning. I mean, two two of the uh key words to really trying to figure out why the heck we're here right and uh let's talk and dig into a little bit more about how to find that that meaning and that purpose uh because most people like you said if they're listening they're probably listening because they they have this idea that that they can serve people at a higher level they can share with people their passion and uh and they can do something uh, that's like maybe a little out of the norm, right? Because they're breaking the mold, not doing it from a, a, a traditional workforce standpoint. So how does how does one of these overachievers that's listening, how do they go about really digging into finding that meaning and that purpose? Yeah. So I, I think sometimes we need to just step back and, uh, and pause and, and figure out, you know, what is it that you're actually shooting for right now? What, what are your goals? What are the things that are driving you forward? Uh, and are you finding meaning in those things? And then w- one of the biggest things that I found as far as burnout goes is that we end up being overcommitted and we also end up not taking care of ourselves. So we just have too much on our plate. So sometimes we even have to look at all the things that we're doing, some of them very well-meaning, but what are the things that are zapping too much of our energy? And for some people, they're going to find a lot of meaning in their careers. And then some people are going to be okay with their careers, but their careers are going to help them do the other things outside of the office that give them meaning. So stepping back and trying to figure out, okay, what is it that you want out of this life? What are you hoping to get? What are those things that when you are on your deathbed someday, you're going to smile and say, I'm happy I went for that. Um, so, so I think that is super important to try to, it's hard to look that far in the future. Um, but I think the greatest uh, things that are going to torment us when we are at that point in life are the things that we didn't do and the things that we didn't try. So I like to, I like to take a step back because everybody wants to achieve and they think that this whole finding meaning and purpose is an achievement thing. Uh, and it's really not, it's, it's really a it's a season of uh, self-awareness and discovery. So we slow way down and figure out, 
what are some good systems and habits that we can put in place so we're not really on on autopilot. I saw a great uh, post on social media about everybody's waiting for Friday. As soon as Monday morning hits, they're waiting for Friday. And it was sort of a sort of a zombie look for a group of people. We get in this trance mode and then we go all the way through the week. And, you know, thank goodness it's Friday. And then we medicate and do whatever we have to over the weekend to just barely prop us up to get through it again. We got to figure out how to step out of that cycle. I love that. You said something earlier about realizing and working through feeling like you were everything to everybody. And I feel like a lot of business owners have gone through that and maybe are going through that. And this space of feeling that way, there's two sides of it. One, that maybe it isn't true, but two, maybe there's a lot of it that is true to your employees and your team members. You are, you are the key to the puzzle working with you not doing it and you not being there, you not fulfilling what you promised. Uh, that that does put you in a everything to everybody situation when it comes to your family and and making sure that you can take care of them. That does put you in that situation. So how do you deal with that? How do you find the balance of understanding and really taking to heart the fact that well, there is some responsibility there and there is there is some stepping up that has to be done. But on the other side, letting it go a little bit. Yeah. That that's really great. Um, so I'd like to to make this sort of like a almost like an AA meeting for uh, for people <laughs> who've done this. Hi, my name is Eric. Hi, Eric. I am a uh, I am a fixer. Yeah, and that's what I do. Right. And as business owners, I think we're fixers. Indeed. See a problem, solve a problem. See a problem, solve a problem. Well, what happens when we do too much of that is that our people expect that of us. Right that any little problem they have, we're gonna fix. So I think what we forget when we try to be everything to everyone is that we have teams for a reason. We've hired those people for a reason and they've become valuable to us for a reason. So one of the things that I try to coach my people uh, at, the, at my dental office is if you have a problem, please come to me. But I also would like you to have thought out what might be a solution for it. And so to empower them to be part of it. So that takes some load off of my shoulders. So once in a while, people tell me, hey, I had this, but I fixed it. I got it. I took care of it myself. And that is the moment that, you know, the heavens open up, Ah, you know, that whole thing that happens when you see your people start to do that on their own. So I think one of the important things is to, to get away from that is to, to realize, one, we can't. We just can't be. There are times when we're going to have to seek counsel from someone else. There's time we're going to need help. But boy, you probably have some big brain humans in your organization. And why not lean on them a little bit to try to come up with a solution? There's a good chance they'll come up with something that you hadn't thought of, and then you can work together on it. So I'd say that's a huge step that we can take take towards that. I love that. You talk about win the now, and I'd like to dig in a little bit to understanding uh, your teachings on this 
topic and this idea because it's a powerful, powerful concept. Yeah. So when the now I call it the mindset of presence. So I think what happens is as business owners, as humans in general, we can be stuck in the past or worried about the future. I think we're in those places way too much and we miss out on the one thing that's guaranteed and that's the now. So I found myself oftentimes coming home from work and my wife would say, hey, how was your day? And I would say, well, this happened. This conversation happened. This didn't go well, this, this. And I would reduce my day to the least common denominator. You've never done that, right? Never. Oh, never. never. <laughs> so I thought about that and I was sick of it. I was sick of doing that. And the thing about it is my day, I can see, I could have 40 conversations in a day between patients that I treat when I do exams for my hygienist, when I do uh, interactions with my team members, I could have 40 conversations. And so I, the concept is that you break your day into the different nows of your day. Okay. So right now for this time, this hour that we have blocked for this, what does a win look like in that now? So a win looks like you and I having a great interactive conversation. It looks like adding value to your listeners. Uh, it, it looks like giving hope to someone who maybe tuned into this and didn't have a lot of hope. Uh, after this, uh, we're going to go, uh, my wife and I have some yard work to do. Uh, it's about the end of the season and we need to clean it, do some of that. So a win looks like being outside, being in nature, uh, enjoying that, even though we have work to do, I do a lot of work with my mind. This will be a chance to win by moving my body. Um, and then in my dental practice, uh, and now for me, I break it into 15 minute chunks, uh, because I'm scheduled. Uh, certain increments of 15 minutes, whether it's 30 minutes, 45, 60, whatever. So in that 15 minute segment, I say, what does a win look like? Well, win looks like we try to help somebody with anxiety. Maybe uh, we try to help uh, have a, a great procedure and a good outcome. Maybe it's a good conversation with a patient or a team member. And so we look at what those wins are and then we try to get those wins. The reality is there are going to be some losses. Uh, when we have those losses, what do we do with those? Do we let our day define those? No, we can't because there's more nows going on coming up. So I always have either a piece of paper in my pocket or I have my phone. And if I do take a loss, I just make a note of it. Uh, and then I leave it there. And then I move on to the next now because there's a chance for wins. Then I go back and revisit that when I get a chance. So what happened there? Was that under my control? Is that something I did wrong? Was that some baggage that my patient carried in with me? Was my coaching client having a really bad day? Uh, what can I learn from that loss? Maybe I could do something differently. Uh, maybe it was just one of those things that happened uh, because we live in that kind of a world. And then you learn from that loss. Guess what? It becomes a win. And then after we stack a bunch of wins together, we feel like we have a lot of momentum. So it's just a way to approach life and try to grab as many wins as we possibly can while reminding ourselves that the present moment is the most important moment that we have. I love that. That's so powerful. And 
And really, you can spend a lifetime continuing to master that. You know, for some of our listeners, they're hearing you right now and thinking, gosh, I think I'd like to do more. So if somebody wanted to get in touch with you and and be able to work with you further and dig in a little bit more, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, so there's a couple different ways. My my website is always uh, home base for me. It's just ericrecker.com. Uh, social links to my social media channels are at the bottom of that. Uh, we can. I would love to have a, a conversation about the possibility of working together uh, with coaching. Uh, I have a great workshop that I do for uh, for teams and for organizations, corporations. Uh, where we really talk about burnout. We really dive into it and we talk about what are some of the things that drain us? What are the, some of the things that build us back up? It's very interactive. And we talk about when the now. And at the end, people leave with hope and they leave with concrete steps of what we can do next. So if you have an organization that might benefit from that, I would love to have a conversation uh, about that. Um, my goal is always to add value to other people. I feel like I have a powerful journey that I can share with others. Uh, and so I'm always, always happy to talk about that. So the, that's a, that's a couple of the next steps that uh, we could certainly take. I love that. That's great. All right. Well, as we wrap up, I want to give you one more, uh, chance to just leave us with your last words of wisdom and parting advice that we can take and and run with today? Yeah, oh boy, a lot of things I could share, but uh, I, I would say this is probably the biggest one that's been on my mind lately is don't go through the journey on your own. Don't be an island. It's easy for business owners to become an island. Uh, whether it's uh, your trusted advisors that, that you have that you can talk with, uh, whether it's a coach, whether it's a friend, uh, make sure that you're in relationship with at least one person that can help you along the journey. Uh, the world told us a few years ago we needed to be isolated, but the truth is that we are better together. So make sure that you uh, you find ways to lean into those, uh, lean into your people, and let them lean into you. I love that. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. All of you guys out there, thank you for joining us on today's episode. And don't forget that you need to keep choreographing your business, all parts of it, even the stuff between your ears, all of it. You've got to choreograph it all. And uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Take care. Thanks for joining us today. Want more business choreography? Check out our website at bizchoreo.com to find out more. And find out how the choreography for your marketing operations and sales can raise your revenue and create more impact. Remember, every business needs choreography.